podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 143 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's only dedicated sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. Like to say, joining us again on the show quite a few times, he's been on is Frank McKenna. Frank, have you uh, enjoyed your summer? You've just been telling us you've been away quite a quite a few times recently. Yeah, I've had a couple of holidays, which is great. Went to Portugal for a couple of weeks, then did a bit of glamping in uh, in Shropshire last week. So, so it's been good. Missed the first game of the season. Um, but I don't think that was the biggest miss in the world, was it, really? Um, but then went to the Villa game as we first game. Uh, good day out. Football got in the way of a good day out there. In. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, back to it now, unfortunately. That's the, the holidays over. That's it. So, summer's, summer's almost done. And we're, we're back, to the, back to the grind of every, mm. everyday life. Um, but great to have you on the show. It's the, the season, obviously. Games are coming thick and fast, and Everton yesterday uh, went to, went to Brentford and, and and got a got a one all draw, and on the on the on the face of it, before the game, you, you'd probably say a one all draw would would have been a, a decent result, and I still think that to be perfectly honest, if you just look at the results, I think it's I think it's half decent. But but frankly, we were a little bit disappointed just by the fact that we were leading and we let the lead slip with it with a sloppy goal, really. Yeah, once you get to 80 minutes and you want ahead, I think your anticipation is you're going to take all three points uh, before the game, like you had, have certainly settled for a point. Brentford are flying at the moment. Um, great results, obviously, against United last week. So, yeah, disappointed because we were one up. But in the overall scheme of things, as you say, um, you probably have said, well, you would definitely have taken that beforehand. I think the, the biggest disappointment is we, we've looked really solid on corners this season in comparison to previous years. And so to concede from a corner was a, a blow. Uh, and then I think the other thing to take from the game, which we all be disappointed about, is the injury to Holgate. I've, I've not seen an update as to how serious or not that is. Uh, but Holgate, for me, has been playing really well in, in that three. Uh, I think helped enormously by Cody and, and Tarkovsky. Obviously, good talkers, um, people who organise the defence. And Holgate seems to have benefited from that massively. So, hopefully, he's not going to be out for too long. Um, so, that was that was a disappointment. But overall, you know, yeah, Brentford created quite a few chances, hit the woodwork three times. So, equally, they'll be disappointed they didn't win the game, I suppose. But for me, given the transition that we're going through, and it's a huge transition in terms of the playing staff, you know, almost an entire new defence, uh, Anana coming in for his first full start in a Premier League game, still no uh, recognised centre forward. So, you know, given all of that, I think we've got to be positive about yesterday's result, take what we can and, and hopefully go into the, the Leeds game uh, with Mopai up front and um, and a little bit more of a focal point for us in terms of when we go forward because we're definitely lacking, aren't we, in that area at this moment in time. Um, the two goals we've scored uh, in the Premier League that our players have scored uh, have both been sort of, you know, long ball over the top, uh, striking in. Um, so we, we need more than that. We've got to have a bit more going forward. And I think, uh, as I say, the guy who's coming from Brighton hopefully will be fit to start, uh, match fit uh, to start on Tuesday. We can start to see a little bit more offensively as well as, I think, uh, the improvement that we've seen defensively. I think the key word there, bang on there, is, 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 is transition, Frank. Um, you know, we have to remember this is, this is Lampard's first transfer window. He came in with, what, one and a half days left of the last window. Um, obviously took a punt on Delhi, but by all accounts that deal was pretty much done anyway, wasn't it? Before he came in and he okayed it because he realised we were short on bodies. You know, 
I was trying to say on Twitter yesterday and be pragmatic about it. You know, you've just l- labelled there pretty much a new defence. They're going to have to learn to play with each other. That's going to take time. They haven't had a full pre-season together. Uh, Onan, like you said, coming into midfield. Dwight McNeil coming into the side as well. He's randomly getting a bit of stick. OK, he hasn't torn up any trees, <laughs> but he's getting absolutely abused already. But one thing you have to remember, all those players there, Onana, McNeil, Patterson coming on the right, I think he's acquitted himself well since he's come in. They're all young lads. Onana's just turned 21 himself. You know I mean, you know, new culture, new country, you know, um, completely different style of football. Game's a lot quicker here. You saw in a few cameos he's had, you know, when he first played, was he was getting caught in possession a lot, which happens a lot, doesn't it, for these lads that come over, think they've got loads of time on the ball. And before they know it, they get clattered like he did at Fleetwood the other day about five times. So, so you know, there, need, there needs to be, for me, from the fan base, there needs to be sort of, you know, a bit of patience needed here, really. Because at the end of the day, it's going to take, Frank is overhauling pretty much, you know, half a squad near enough in one window. That's a hell of a lot of players coming in and out the team. And then to try and gel these players, you know, I said to you, Mike, didn't I, uh, the other day when we spoke, said, look, of all the players that he's actually got out of the club, you'd probably agree with, other than Richarlison, you'd probably agree with all of them, wouldn't you? Yeah, we all know that they've, they've, they've not really acquitted themselves well since they've been at, the, been at the club. So, look, it's been frustrating. We probably should be on more points than we are, in reality, on the balance of the games. And I know fans are worried, and rightly so, in terms of the fixtures we've got coming up. I mean, look, Let's be honest, we all would have prayed to have had something like a Bournemouth at home or a Leicester at home who are clearly miles out of form. You know, we're playing a Brentford team that scored four past United in half an hour. We've got Leeds who are obviously on the up at the minute, had a great result against Chelsea last week, 3-0 at their place. That won't be easy on a night game, will it, on Tuesday? Then obviously we've got the Derby. So, you know, fans, you know, we could end up being floundering around the bottom after seven or eight games and, you know, in a way... We just have to deal with that and then try and win the games as they come along when the fixtures, you know, hopefully get a little bit easier for us. I, I think that some Evertonians, and I think it is a, a, a minority, by the way, um, mostly people who get pissed and go on Twitter accounts after eight o'clock on a Saturday night, it seems to me. Um, but, you know, what we've got to recognise with uh, the new managerial team, and it is a team now, isn't it? You, you know, you can see what they're trying to do. There's actually a plan in place, which, again, I think is is something that we've not really seen in recent times at Everton. Brands was there, but wasn't allowed to do his job. Seems to me that Thelwall and Lampard are now actually being allowed to, to make the football decisions, which is going to be a huge step forward for us. But I think the other thing that Lampard's having to do, um, and this has been a problem since Moyes left, is he's having to recreate a culture of a mindset of winning, uh, a mindset about leading when you're on the pitch, getting a team that has personality and personalities in it. And I think it's you know no coincidence that he's signing players who, whatever you think of their football and ability, personally, I think Cody in particular has been a great signing, Tarkovsky looks very comfortable again. Leadership um, running through his, his his whole body, it seems to me. You know, he's, he's just one of those guys, isn't he, that you know is going to be talking through the game, geeing people up. And then again, Maupai, I believe, is a similar sort of character. Works really hard, really good sort of part of the, of the team at Brighton. Who, again, when you talk to Brighton supporters, you know, they certainly didn't want him to go. So I think character, personality, leadership, they're qualities that Everton haven't been able to point to for many, many a season. And, you know, as I say, since the days of David Moyes, I think the culture of Everton Football Club on the playing side, we can talk all day about the, the, the chaos in the boardroom, but even on the playing side, I don't think we've had that sort of cultural, strong mentality, big team commitment. And I think having to put that right, as well as uh, getting players in there who are going to be able to deliver results, a huge, huge job for for any manager. And certainly 
you know, Frank Lampard, not the most experienced guys in the world. As you say, Lee, he's got, he's got to be given time. And I said before the season started, if he got us into the top 10, he should get manager of the year. And my expectation this season would be interesting to, to hear what you lads think. But my expectation basically is 11th to 15th. And as long as we clear comfortably the relegation zone, because you can finish 15th way above the relegation places in terms of points. Um, I, I think that's what we're looking at. Massive transition. Club on the floor when Lampard went in, in terms of its mood, in terms of, as I say, its culture. Um, and, you know, players who are coming into, not just players who are coming into a new club, but in some way, in some circumstances, and Anna, for example, as you've mentioned, Lee, coming into a new league. So it is going to take time for, for this to settle down. And, and Evertonians really do need to be patient. Give the manager and his team time. And, you know, let's have a look at it Christmas time and see where we are then. Um, but I think, like you, Lee, results will start to improve. But it's not going to be a season where, in my opinion, we're challenging for European places. And as I say, if we get into the top half, that, that's, that's an incredible performance from Lampard. Yeah, I've been on numerous numerous shows the last few weeks before the season started. Obviously, our podcast and said exactly the same in terms of position. I'm saying between 12th and 14th, and that will be a successful season. We, we've got to temper our expectations. And, you know, let's be honest with ourselves. Like you say, Frank, when Frank Lampard came in, the, the club was in disarray. You know, the, the, the players were in disarray. He came in, had to pick up the mood and, and bring across his ideas as quickly as he could. We got out of the situation that we were in. And now it's a huge overhaul. He, he's obviously brought in quite a few players already. Quite a few players have been shipped out. There's still room for more to come in and, and go out in the final few days of the window, which we'll discuss shortly. Um, but that game yesterday, that was a game last season. Obviously, we went there last season. And Brentford didn't play as well as that. And we lost the game. Mm. Um, yesterday... I thought first half we did we did certain things well. Those diagonal balls were working all the time. Look at look at the goal, great ball from from Connor Cody. And if we look at the, the two goals we scored in the last two weekends, the Mari Gray against Forrest and Anthony Gordon against Brentford, that's what Frank Lampard was expecting our front three to do. That was a central focal point striker. That's what he wanted those front three to be doing. Those kind of runs that they, that they were making and scoring those kind of goals. So. There was positives there, wasn't the peak that we can take into Leeds on on Tuesday night, and it as disappointing as it was to, to be pegged back. It's not all doom and gloom, is it? No, not at all. I, I thought Anthony Gordon's goal was um, was sensational. I thought it was, it was a brilliant finish, um, yes. and I, I thought in that first half we we had far better possession. I think at one point we had about pushing seventy percent possession, which um, I think I sent a message. Didn't I to our group chat because I really didn't expect us to, to try and get on the ball as much as we did in the first half. And it was nice to see us do that away from home. But we mixed it up really well. I think we we made smart decisions on you know when to try and play out from the back and when to go direct. And the goal came from really clever ball from Cody over the shoulder of Zanka. Uh, you know, Gordon just sat on him, timed his run perfectly, and it was you know a great finish with his left foot. So we really needed that. Didn't we? That that kind of goal from open play, um, as usual, the press are you know jumping right, right on it and making slightly sensational headlines about Everton not scoring a um, you know goal goal from open play. Uh, I think we had the, the the own goal, hadn't we, from uh, from you know from Luca Dean, um, and then obviously the Damari Gray getting a late goal against Forest. But it was a bit of a mirror mirror image of the Forest game, really. You know, arguably. We were the far better team in that game and should have won, and ended up with the one-one. And against Brentford, I thought at times we really rode our luck, um, and, and Brentford were uncharacteristically wasteful. But on balance, you know, a draw when you look at the game as a whole and the chances they had, um, it's not a bad result at all. And I think we'll be a completely different team once we have a natural striker in that front three. You know, whether it's it, it's Mopey 
we might need to leave the line for a little bit, depending on his fitness or how soon we get Calvert-Lewin back. I, I just think we're a completely different outfit on balance you know, once we have that available to us. Um, there's no disrespect to Rondon, but I don't think he has the, the, the fitness um, or the, you know, the, the playing style that's needed for the, the formation that we're, we're sitting with at the moment. It's maybe not quite suiting his game. So I, I think, you know, I think the only way is up really for us. You know, th- things injuries dependent can hopefully only get better. Yeah, fit yeah. Rondon, can't he? He's not even fit enough to get in the box. The amount of times, the amount of times, like the fullbacks get out wide, look, look in the box, and he's he's still trying to get in there. Yeah, you know I mean, I mean, it's, it's it's like Sunday League watching him play. I mean, he, against Fleetwood, who are a lot obviously lower level, he looked he looked he looked more on par with those fellas, didn't he? Do you know what I mean? In terms of his level, you got to remember, Rafa's brought him out, you know, brought him out of semi-retirement in China, didn't he, to come over here? Uh, I'm asking him then to be our second striker. I said the same to you, Mike, the, the other day. Like, look at Leeds; they were they're out. Without Bamford, who's their version of Calvert-Lewin, but then they can bring Rod- Rodrigo in, who was playing for Valencia in the Champions League. You know what I mean? That should be the other way around. We should be able to bring on somebody of that caliber as a second striker. You know, Rodrigo's come in and he's obviously banged in a load of goals already. I think four goals he's got already this season. So, you know, and he'll probably give us problems on Tuesday. Frank nailed it in the press conference afterwards for me when he said, like, um, that's how I want my teams to play. So you can clearly see he wants to dominate the ball. And he showed that when he first came in before he abandoned those tactics. Once he realised the personnel he had weren't good enough to do it. But obviously we, we controlled that game to an extent. Uh, but Brentford, are, you know, Masters certainly at home, of really putting teams under. You know, a lot of, I see a lot of people shouting, oh yeah, we just retreated in the second half. I think we were forced back. You know, Brentford whipping in loads of balls into the box. We dealt with the majority of them. Cody and Tarkovsky were brilliant in the air. Uh, and if you look at the goal we conceded, you know, it's clearly a set piece they've worked on because they brought on that little Lewis Potter, who obviously mm. we, were, we were linked with. He obviously looks a good little player, by the way. He did all right when he came on. But if you look at the goal, he's standing on Pickford. And just before, just before the, um, sorry, just, be, just before he literally, uh, they take the corner, he, he makes a run off Pickford. And what is he, five foot six, five foot seven, whatever he is? He makes that quick run off Pickford and it lands right on his head, doesn't it? He? he flicks it on. Uh, and that obviously leads to the goal. So it, it was clearly something they've worked on. Uh, and obviously, you know, Thomas Frankel will be happy with that goal. But ultimately, if you look at it, if we'd have hit the woodwork three times uh, and then came away with a loss, we'd have been absolutely fuming, wouldn't we? So <laughs> we, have to, we have to say it as it is. You know, they were well worthy for the point. Um, uh, themselves, so you know, I'd say that, and I do like Thomas Frank. I don't know whether you guys have seen his post-match press conference, even the presses before the game. I think he always speaks really well, and he's very honest. Uh, he's also, he's clearly a very good tactician. He was very complimentary about Everton so far this season, saying that he's watched all three games and he clearly thinks he should have got something out of Chelsea, Villa, and certainly beat Forest. So he was very honest in his opinion as well, um, and he obviously praised our fans as being best he's seen in the league, isn't it? Both home and away. Um, so, fair play to him there. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think without... you, Frank, you've nailed it there. Pete, you've just said the same. And, and obviously, Frank said in his own presser himself, look, take take Tony out of that team for Brentford and they'll have the same problems as we, we've got. When you've got no focal point as your main striker, we're having to resort to basically wingers playing effectively up front. And, and in the only way we look like scoring at the minute is maybe either through a set piece or that, that diagonal in behind. Yeah, and I think, um, I mean, Ron's on. You've got to feel a bit sorry for him at one level, haven't you? Because, as you say, Lee, he's been brought in from semi-retirement, really, in China. Um, and probably thought he was going to be a 10 minutes at the end of some of the matches, you know, um, we certainly shouldn't be reliant upon him. And then to hear Frank Lampard say after the game, um, exactly the comments that you've just quoted, you know, it'd be nice to have a focal point. Well, that tells Rondon all he needs to know about his future as Everton football clubs, isn't it? Particularly, you know, Malpay's coming. So, uh, yeah, listen, in terms of yesterday, um, good possession. Uh, I thought Peter's analysis of the game was was, was spot on there. Um, you, you've ended up, I think, um, watching 
uh, an Everton side that is in development, but certainly you can see what the manager and his coaching team are trying to do with the players. Um, and I think I think it was Peter who said this. Um, the one thing that used to always concern me when Everton were trying to play out of the back is I didn't think we had the players to do that. And the decision-making was woefully poor. How many times can you remember us getting caught in possession or a bad straight pass going to the opposition ends up in the back of our net? And I think in all the games I've watched this season, there's been a, a definite improvement uh, as far as that's concerned. And that type and style of football is far easier on the eye than what we've experienced over the past couple of seasons. And, you know, as I say, I think he's getting the personnel in now who are comfortable with that style. More importantly, getting leaders into that team. And, you know, the disappointment for me isn't yesterday's result because actually, I just, we all do this, don't we? You look at the first five or six fixtures and say, OK, how many points do you think we'll have by then? I actually thought we'd have five points by now. I thought we'd have drew us home at Chelsea, got a point at Villa and beat Forrest. But I us down as getting beat against Brentford. They turned us over twice last season, didn't they? We beat them in the Cup and they beat us towards the yeah. end of the season at Goodison. And then, if again, I'm trying to wipe most of last season out of my memory, to be fair, particularly when Benitez was there. But wasn't the Brentford game one of the sort of early games where Evertonians really kicked off at the performance? Am I right in that? Or yeah, is that... The, the, yeah, the away one. Um, yeah. It was a game, wasn't it, where, where Rondon, we should have had a penalty, really, and it wasn't given, but we were poor. We, we, yeah. It was a really poor performance, and we had a little bit more about us. The feeling was we could have got something from the game. Yeah, that. because they weren't in a great spell, I don't think, no. at that point. No. And and uh, I do, I'm, I'm sure there was like quite a bit of, uh, can I say, unrest amongst the support at that point, and that's, that's when it started to to really, you know, I don't think the wheels were ever fully on with, with Rafa, were they? But they certainly started to come off them. So, if you take the opposition, if you take the points that we've already made in terms of that transition, uh, and if you take the fact that, you know, as I say before the game, we've all said we, we'll take a point, you can only look at yesterday positively. Definitely glass half full, isn't it? It's got. It's got to be. You know, we, we we can't afford to to have constant negativity around around the club, early part of the season. And I know people have been saying, you know, effectively we've been given given up games, if you like, by not having a striker in until this point. Obviously, Mope couldn't play against uh, against Brentford, but will be there for the for the Leeds game. Now, what I would say is, you know, what fans are guilty of doing as well is they're now looking ahead at the upcoming fixtures, and fans are now writing games off. That's yeah. not football work. You know, it's you know it's, it's almost a contradiction, isn't it? You know, you, you want to slate the club for giving up games. Well, you're giving up games by saying because we're playing Leeds away, because we're playing, you know, Liverpool, we you know, the, the points have gone, but they haven't. That's not football, you know. And like you said, I mean, I mean, Dominic Calvert Lewin is is uh hopefully back in full trading next week, outside chance of making the derby. You've got Mope coming in, you've got other other transfers in the pipeline as well before the window closes. So th this team come the second of September is going to look a lot different and and for me look a lot more balanced as well. Um, so we've got it. We've got to you know take it one game at a time. You can't afford to look three, four, five games in advance. It's one game at a time. Let's see how it goes, and 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 back the team. Uh, but yesterday for me, you know, reflecting on it, you know, despite the the time of the goal. It was it was a point gained against a side that I thought we would struggle against, and at times we did. You know, I thought the things we did well in the first half we didn't take into the second half, but that was because I think Brentford adapted, and the things that we were allowed to do in terms of those diagonal balls out, out wide and over the top. They, if you look at Brentford's second half, their press was much more was much better. They were on it a lot more. They were on our centre halves a lot a lot quicker, and we weren't able to do it. So. You know, we, we came unstuck. We've got a point, and you know, another day we, we lose the game, and, and we come away with nothing. So we've got to be got to be positive on that. Um, I just but... wanted to mention Mike as well, just quickly. I want to get your 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 views of it, guys. Is, is I thought Onana yesterday really grew into the game, didn't he? 
Um, I mean, obviously, like his, I think his first full Premier League start, um, big ask for the young lad. Um, and I thought he acquitted himself really well. Lampard was very uh, praising with him after the game. Uh, you can clearly see this real potential there, can't you? The lad's an athlete, kept the ball ticking over, kept the ball well. Um, and then, you know, I, I thought grew in confidence, a bit like the game against Fleetwood in the week, actually, just grew in confidence as it went on. And obviously, he had that crunching tackle that led to a chance. And then, you know, obviously, you know, great little run and what a ball through to Damari Gray as well, who probably should have done better, really. Mm. Um, but, you know, that's if that's the level he's at now in just early doors in terms of the game, getting used to this league. Uh, and the fact, like you said, he just turned 21. Um, we could have a really special player there. And I don't want to get too carried away, obviously, and we shouldn't get too carried away because he's a young lad. But but he really impressed me yesterday in some of the things he did. And Awobi, obviously, he's been outstanding, really, since the start of the season. In the Forest game, he, I think that booking meant that Anana had to play a little bit within himself, didn't he? He started well, but then he had to manage his game, I think. Um after the booking, so it was really nice to see him play a bit with more freedom yesterday. I thought it was a really mature performance as well. When I saw him starting, I thought, oh, you know, because he's clearly put a lot of pressure on himself, hasn't he, when he's he has come on into games and he, he, he's maybe made a couple of slight misjudgments at times, you know, at, at Villa and again with the booking at Forest, but I thought it was a really assured performance. Um and I'd be more than happy for him to to start the next game on 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 the back of that. He uh, yeah he's 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 definitely one for the future. Yeah, let's, let's just get this out there quickly. Sorry, mate, just get that out there quickly as well. Frank did take him off because he was literally on his backside as well. By the way, and he and if you look at the post match presser, Frank did actually say the lad came to me at half time and said I've only got another twenty five minutes in me, boss. You know what I mean? And he's obviously kept on. And Frank even said himself, he was playing that well. I wanted to keep him on. So there's quite a lot of uh, sort of a little bit of abuse towards Lampard saying, why the hell did he take Onana off? <laughs> yeah. uh, well, well, he addressed that. He addressed that. You know what I mean? I mean, let, let's be honest. The lads had no pre-season. He's got 90 right. minutes in the week against Fleetwood. He's played 80 minutes today, uh, yesterday. He's got Leeds in the week and then the derby. So, you know, you've got to think of that. You know, one's if he played another 10 minutes and done his hamstring or something. You know exactly. I mean? yeah. So, you know, the fans need to think about that. I mean, look, feel for Lampard. I don't know what you think, Frank. Imagine turning around and looking at your bench there and going, <laughs> right, who, who, who can I bring on here? Yeah, you know what I mean? I Brentford were I, bringing on Damsgaard and Lewis Potter. You know what I mean? I, 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 you're spot on. I mean, I think, you know, Mike, Mike's alluded to this as well. You know, this clamour for, you know, players to play 90 minutes when... You know, the, the coaching staff know the fitness levels of these guys. The injury record that we've got so far this season is already bad. I mean, Klopp was complaining about a witch doctor. I think we've got an army of them at bloody Finch Farm. Um, you know, you've got a guy there who's played a full 90 at Fleetwood, no pre-season, as you say, Lee, full 90 at Fleetwood, then got through almost the whole game against Brentford. Another 10 minutes... At the pace that these lads play at, and I think this is, again, something football supporters don't necessarily take account of nowadays. It's like, oh, well, you know, back in the 80s, they used to be able to play 999 games a season. Nobody got a muscle pull. It's a very different sort of game now. And so they've been monitoring that guy. They've left him on for as long as they thought able to. And as you rightly say, if he'd have pulled up with a muscle tear or a muscle pull, the fans would have been on the manager's back for leaving him on. Same with signings. How many times have we panic bought over the past six seasons? And look where it's left us. Uh, and, you know, I think that, as I say, Lampard has got a profile of a player he likes. I think he can see that from the signings he's made. All of the people who've come into that squad since, like, in the summer, Lampard signings. All to me, as I said earlier, seem to have personality. They seem to be lads who are going to fit into a dressing room and be part of a team. And I, I'm delighted to see that. So you may see you may see players in other teams and you say, oh, they do a job for us, they do a job for us. We don't know what the character of that fella is. You know, the, the, Moise used to be very much on, well, are they good characters? And in fact, any manager that's successful you look at 
anything that they write or talk about. And it's about building that sort of team, that team mentality, that culture of the club. And as I say, I think that's been missing from Goodison. So both in terms of the impatience that we all share about getting players in, and then, as I say, criticising managers for substitutions when we don't really know what's happening with that player in terms of his what his fitness level's been like during the week, whether he's carrying a bit of an injury, the conversations he's had with the manager, as you say, Lee, at half-time. Um, we've just got to give the coach and staff, the manager, a bit of space, show a bit of patience. Again, I've got no inside information on this, but it would seem to me that if he was given a choice of a centre-forward to bring in right now, it'd be Brozier, wouldn't it, the kid from Chelsea? I think that's Lampard's number one priority. And so if it means waiting until the very last moment to get your number one priority, then you're going to do that. Um, rather than just go out, splurge another 25 million quid on a player that in 12 months' time is going to go back on loan somewhere again. You know, We've got to somehow get off this bloody roller coaster of panic buys and getting rid of them in 12 months' time. He's trying to build something here. You can see his plan. You can see he's got a strategy. We've got to have patience and allow him to do that. And, you know, Mike, she's spot on. We're writing off and, you know, as I say, we all do it, don't we? Look at the four or five fixtures and say, I think this is how many points we'll get. Manchester United thought they'd have no points by this weekend. Prior to last Monday, I was speaking to Manchester United supporters who were fearing that Liverpool were going to do them 9-0. And then they were going to go yesterday to Southampton and get beat. So we certainly shouldn't be looking at the next three fixtures and thinking we're not going to get anything out of that. Because my view is, if we can get a sense of forward, hit the ground running, then we've got every chance of getting something out of those games. And the positive, the most positive thing is Lampard's got a strategy, a plan, and Fellwall, I guess. They're bringing in the right sort of characters Profile a player, they know what they want and they're not panicking. And as supporters, we've got to back that because if you keep doing the same thing, you keep getting the same results. And for the last six seasons, our recruitment process has been wo beyond woeful. And, you know, the club is in an absolute mess because of that. Um, I'm at least seeing now, as I say, a plan, a strategy, a guy who knows what he wants. And I think, as I say, by Christmas time, we'll be looking at this thing. As long as our expectations are realistic and pragmatic and not stupid, uh, then I think we'll be looking at Christmas and going, this is a sign of improvement uh, and we can build on that. Yeah, totally, totally with you there, Frank, 100%. And, and that's why the, the end of this window is really important, isn't it? We've got, you know, as we record today on, on the Sunday, You've got for four days, four days or so left to, to get players in, ship players out, and and this this is something that can really mould our season, and we're going to discuss that after this short break. Welcome back to the second part of this week's Unholy Trinity podcast, and like I mentioned, it's all about transfers, and as this window is going to be coming to it an abrupt close um, in a in a few days' time, and Everton has still got some key areas to address. Of course, uh, we, we've just. Welcome Neil Mopey to the club in the last couple of days, uh, which was a welcome addition, of course, to get to get some attacking reinforcements. Uh, but there's still a little bit of work to be done, isn't there? I mean, we, we look at the at the squad, we talk about balance quite often as well. Um, and we talk about making sure that we have uh players, you know, a couple of players in each position who are, you know, as good as each other, really. And, and Frank Lampard did allude in his press conference on Friday to getting in players who are going to be players who can make an impact off the bench as well. So it's not all about just having a, a good start at 11. It's about having that, that strength of depth. But, Pete, what, what, are your, what are your wants now for the last few days of this window? What, what do you think we should be looking at addressing? Frank's mentioned maybe another striker with Brogius, you know, Diaz at Blackburn. What what's the key over the next few days, Revan? I mean, some of this is going to be sort of asterisked with whether a certain Anthony Gordon stays or goes. <laughs> but if, if we work on the if we work on the assumption we keep Gordon, I think we probably need at least 
one other forward that can play across the three. So it, it might not be a centre forward that you know maybe would compete with Calvert Lewin in terms of like a classic number nine, but I think somebody with with pace that can play across that front three. So you might be thinking potentially somebody like a Diaz. Mm-hmm. Um, I know De- Dennis has now moved on to Forest, and uh, you know by by all accounts we did have a look at him, and um, perhaps due to some of the things Frank was saying about player character and maybe fitting in with the squad. It, it was decided not to move on that. But I think a player of that ilk is exactly what we need. Um, but as well saying that, if if the Ghana deal gets done and you look at a you know a, a potential midfield where you've got Anana, a fit decore, um Drisagana Gay, does that free up Alex Awobi then to play across the three? Um you know that that would hopefully be a nice problem for for Everton to have. Um, the injury to Mason Holgate, I'd, you wouldn't think necessarily we'd look to bring in a further defender, but it might well mean that Michael Keane perhaps doesn't go out on a loan. Um, maybe he he stays and continues to be part of the squad. But it definitely seems like the attacking area of the pitch. Um, and also the Ghana deal. I think if if the Ghana deal doesn't go forward, we might need a, another midfielder that can come in and maybe play that six role because you'd you'd probably say if you look at our squad, that's the player we haven't got. You know, we haven't got that player that can turn and face the defence, pick up the ball, and start play. Um, we've got a, a midfield with a lot of energy, and I think we're very good at counter attacking, breaking out. But you'd imagine the club would probably try to look to give us another option. So we can start to to build a base of playing football. It could be it could be Garner and Garner, couldn't it? Uh, you've got a Jesus Garner game, you've got James <laughs> Garner, uh, which would be, and then you've got Onana. It, it could be, uh, <laughs> it could be some some that. Uh, um, there's still a lot of talk about that central midfield area, like you mentioned, the Jesus Garner game. It's been an ongoing saga for the last what four or five weeks. I mean, I was away on on, on holiday weeks ago and it was close it was nearly done and it was at the same time as, as Onana the Onana deal and you know all of a sudden there's issues with PSG and mm. then he's not going anywhere then last week we hear that if Everton won him we've got to we've got to spend some money on him but he wants, he wants to go to Portugal he can go there for three it's just just ridiculous but the last we've heard is that he's he wants to come he's agreed as a uh, his salary and things like that it's all on on this severance pay and and what have you so I would expect it to get sorted, to be honest. Uh, I would expect to see him uh, at Finch Farm at some point over the next the next few days. And I think it would be a welcome addition for us to be able to to have that flexibility and adaptability to go to the three in midfield as well. Because yesterday was an example of where you're playing against a side with, with three in midfield. And sometimes we can get a little bit overran. And unless you're going to bring one of those, those centre-halves further forward into the midfield to support... You, you, you can you can struggle so maybe that's an option for Frank Lampard say James Garner apparently is 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 pretty close to being done so so we've heard how true it is who knows but that's a deal which looks like that might go through um but I'm interested I mean Frank you know looking at, at attacking options because this, this is that's probably the biggest concern for me you know I think that you know, yeah, okay. It's just a Ghana game will, will probably come in and, and midfield wise will be okay once the Corey gets back in um as well. He's, he's currently out injured. But those attacking options, even if Anthony Gordon stays, they are still a little bit of a concern, aren't they? Yeah, and I think that's where we'd all look to really want to strengthen the, the, the team again. I think Peter was spot on in terms of um the 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 positions that, that are required in terms of extra recruitment and I like the the comment that you made Pete about not necessarily going for another traditional centre forward you've probably got two of them now at the club haven't you um, I'm not including Rondo. Um and you know if you can get a bit more movement and, and I guess a bit more creativity the other point that Pete made that uh, not occurred to me actually is that if you can strengthen your midfield area then you release this Guy Awobi, who this time last year we'd have all written off, who's an absolute revelation now. And a bit further up the pitch, could he be the guy who actually starts to 
he'll create more chances. Uh, he's got a goal in him as well. So I think that's a great shout as well. And maybe that's something that, that, that Lampard is looking at. You know, if you can get a sitting midfield player and Garner Gay, uh, obviously someone we all know and, and remember with fondness from his time at Goodison previously. I don't know much about the other Garner, the, the guy from United. Is, is he a holding player as well, Mike, is he? He, he can play there apparently, but he, he had he had decent uh, attacking output last season. To be honest, so he, okay. again he's probably looking more towards a, an eight, a little bit more uh, okay. playing further forward. And you know, for for a lad who hasn't had much first team football at United, and now had a good season in the Championship for Forest, I think it's always a little bit of a gamble. Mm. I, I see it's just going to get as as a stopgap for you know twelve months. I know yeah. there's talk of a two year deal, but. I think we'd probably be, all be a little bit more comfortable if he came in. Both, both obviously, both signing would be great, but if he came in and he was the only one, we'd probably feel a little bit more comfortable with that, to be honest. Yeah. Well, he's got the experience as well, hasn't he? He's played in the Premier League. He's played high-level Champions League. So, yeah, I, I, I get that. And, and that might, just as I say, free up a Wobi to bring a bit more creativity into, into the Everton team, which we, we do like a little bit at the moment. I think also that we've not mentioned this yet, have we? I think Damari Gray started the season great, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, agree with you, Lee. I think you know he could have done a little bit better with that opportunity yesterday, but he seems to have a little bit more confidence back uh, as well. And, and you know, certainly against uh, Forest, for me, him and Awobi were our best players. Um, so, yeah, f- priority probably. Certainly, well, certainly a forward. We, we know we need another forward in. Um, again, don't know a lot about Diaz, the guy at Blackburn. Rave reviews from, from lots of people I've spoken to about him. Um, Brozier, I think, would be Lampard's first choice. Uh, Gay, yes. Defensively, going through... Uh, well, again, would Michael Key? alongside Cody and Tarkovsky actually do a decent job. That remains to be seen, doesn't it? Because the lad is somebody who I've seen play really well. Chelsea last year at Stamford Bridge, I thought he was man of the match for us. But then I've seen him almost throw goals into our net at times as well. So are we comfortable if... You know, Holgate is out for a period of time. We'll be happy, keen, having the next half a dozen matches. Do we think that he'd do a job there? I'm not sure. Or do we think we need to go out and get somebody else? I don't think Frank will be looking at another centre-half. I think what, what Pete said is probably right. You know, it just probably means that Keane doesn't go anywhere because he was linked to, to Forest. Forest, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to become Forest, 83rd sign of the summer. <laughs> um, back report the, the other day, but... And are I you comfortable he'll do it? Are you confident he'll do a job, mate? I'd be confident if you if you had him in a three with with Tarkowski and a Godfrey or Holgate, but not necessarily a Cody, just from the fact that there's no pace. There's just absolutely no pace in the three of them. So yeah, it's yeah. always a concern. I do like to have, to have at least one of the centre halves who are quick and Holgate, like you say, he's done he's done well so far this season. Yeah. In fact, Lampard said he's going to miss uh, a number of games. Was the expression that he used? So. Mm. I'm probably not going to see him for the next probably three or four. I wouldn't have thought. Um, but I think obviously you've also got the option of, of Mikhailenko. He's a converted centre half. Yeah. Van Agri can then go to left back or left wing back. Seamus Coleman plays in the three. He's done it quite often under Carlo Ancelotti and obviously did it against Fleetwood uh, the other day as well. So he can do that. So I don't think we're going to be dabbling in the mm. in the centre half market. To, to be honest, yeah, I think you're right. I think I think Reece Welsh was outstanding for Fleetwood against Fleetwood. Sorry, the other day as well, wasn't he? And, and he's highly thought of. Got a bit of the uh, the John Stones about him. I think you know, very very calm and on the ball. Seems a good technician. Um, I think Frank, out of all the young centre backs, seems to rate him the highest, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he he does seem to be fancy, doesn't he? Um, he's, he's a big he's a big lad as well, and obviously we can't expect too much from him if he starts to get minutes. Uh, but he's another body, another option. Um, so we you know we he might he might be brought in again when we go to to Bournemouth in the uh, the next round of the League Cup. But you know, I'm interested to know what what are your thoughts on the 
on the uh, attacking positions in terms of bodies. There's a lot of talk today about the Anthony deal to United being done, which puts to bed any kind of Kudos deal to Everton, which is a shame when we thought it was um, it was all done. But what are your thoughts in terms of the the attacking options that we're that we're looking at and who's going to be brought in? Yeah, it's interesting to see what you guys are saying, and I, I genuinely think, and I think I said the same to you in the week, Mike. I genuinely think, um, obviously, Frank. Can, well, we have considered the Gordon deal. That still may go through. By the way, we don't know yet. Um, although Frank has come out publicly saying he wants him to stay now. Um, but you know, you know what it's like these days. If a player wants to go, uh, there's an appetite for it to go. Everyone has a price, so we'll see how that plays out. But I think what they've done, I think they've taken the Chelsea bid on board. They've probably then gone out to market to see right who can we sign them potentially with this money, maybe at a higher level than a than a Mope, if you like. Um, you know, let's see what's available with with the funds that we would then have, and maybe they've not been able to get positive reactions from some of those little, you know, little offers or little uh, inquiries you've made with other clubs. Um, possibly, it's hard to say, but I just think that's what they've done. And then they've now come out and said, OK, we'll, we'll go for the likes of Mope then. Because, uh, you know, he would potentially have come in all along anyway. But I think Mope would have been your sort of plan C or D. Um, potentially the same with Diaz. Um, now, Kudis may still happen. I mean, the kid's really talented. I mean, he's very highly thought of. I spoke to Piv about him and he was saying, yeah, it would be a bit of a gamble, but the kid's got loads of ability, drives with the ball from midfield, can be creative. Uh, now, with Anthony going from Ajax, um, apparently that's what stalled the deal. They are Ajax are sniffing around Zayec again, who obviously played for them and was brilliant for them in the Champions League. So they may bring Zayec in, and that then may allow us to go back in for Kudis to bring him in maybe on deadline day. So I do think we do need that sort of driver in midfield who carries the ball and who's got a bit of skill, uh, potentially spot a pass. I do agree with you both. Pete's bang on with Iwobi. He's been by far our best player so far this season and the end of last season. Um, and, you know, he loves he loves a pass. He loves a sl- you know, slide rule pass. He's got an eye for a pass. He's been telling us all along his best position is, is obviously further forward behind the strikers. And obviously every single manager's played him out wide. Now, Frank is, can, take, can take massive credit there because, you know, he's, he's clearly improved him and he's got his confidence level up by the sounds of it as well, in terms of, you know, he's made him think that he is the actual player that he actually is, which is not an easy thing to do sometimes as a manager. Um, but, yeah, in terms of, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens going forward. I totally agree with you, Frank. It's pretty much obvious as the day is long that Brozier is, is, is our main target and that may still happen. If they get Aubameyang across the line, Chelsea, which is, Apparently, you know, they're relatively close, believing on reports. They may then free up Brozier to come to us on loan. Now, Brozier can play across the front three. Uh, so he would give us that option of being able to play different positions. Um, but also the key is, you know, the midfield as well there. If Garner does come in, uh, Idrissa Garner Gay here, by the way, that allows us then, or gives Frank options then to play in different ways, doesn't it? You know, it allows us that we go two in midfield or we can go three. You know, like you just said there, Mike, you know, it just it just gives us options. You know, if Decore comes back there, but somebody but we've got Onana, Decore, Garner Gay, um, and who's the other lad? Name escapes me. So sorry you played yesterday, sorry. But that gives anyway, the point I'm saying is it allows us to play in a free if we need to play in a free. We can either we could even play four three three, five three two if you want to play two up front, maybe Mope playing off Calvert Lewin, you know, and still having the wing back threat. That's the problem. If, if we if we move away from the five at the back, arguably, you know, does it really suit Patterson to play at right back? Or we know he's you know he struggled a bit in a four defensively. He's more of a wing back than he is a full back, really, isn't he? In a four. But then the opposite is true of of, of Mikalenko, who for me is not really a wing back. He's more of a full defensive full back. So Vinagre there may then you know play the odd game going forward from a wing back perspective. But I think what it does for Frank then it allows him if we get those signings in just to give him the options to play different ways. And he's alluded to it and come out and said himself, you know, I can only play a certain way given the personnel I've got. And then, then he's having to play this five system at the minute purely because of the personnel we have got. Now, if he does get those midfielders in, possibly even João Pedro, we may even go in for him still. The lad at Watford, who's by all accounts out of the three, him, Dennis and Saar, 
the one that Watford fans seem to think they'll miss the most. He's only 19, Brazilian, uh, echoes of Richarlison a little bit about him. Then, you know, that could give us massive options as well. So, you know, I'm pretty confident by the end of the window, if we can get some of those deals across the line, then it just gives Frank that you know, those options. And when we look at it and write those names down on paper, that suddenly makes us look, for me, a lot, a lot more strength in depth. So when he does look round at his bench, like he did against Brentford the other day, he's not looking at youngsters and Tom Davis. He's looking at potentially three or four lads that can change a game. I wonder as well if he'll be able to shift um, a couple out. Um, you know, Gomez and, and Alan obviously don't feature in Lampard's thoughts going forward. So if we could get them off the books, even if it was just to save the wages, that would help. Uh, and the big one, obviously, is going to be whether Anthony Gordon stays or goes. Um, again, when you you look at players in the past who clearly have wanted to leave the club, I'm thinking um, Joni and Lescott. Remember the game, first game of the season against Arsenal when we got beat 6-1. He just sulked for the 90 minutes. Um I don't think John Stones' head was ever right up to the Manchester City initial interest, even though we kept hold of him. Certainly on yesterday's performance, Anthony Gordon's attitude seems to be spot on still. Um, so there doesn't appear to be a massive issue with the lab wanting to go. And I tell you, if I was advising Anthony Gordon, I'm not saying this just as an Evertonian, but you look at players who've left Goodison Park too early. Um, you think of Franny Jeffers, you think of Chelsea, you think of Barkley, obviously, um, and then Jack Robwell. And I heard somebody on Sky, one of the pundits yesterday, saying on Sky, oh, well, Anthony Gordon should go because if it doesn't work out, well, you can always go back. Well, you know, Franny Jeffers never recovered his career. Jack Robwell never recovered his career. And according to reports this morning, Chelsea are looking to pay Ross Barkley to get out of the club. So it doesn't always work out. You know, these big money moves for players, they go too soon. And I think what Lampard is saying to, to Anthony Gordon is, you know, stay here, earn your, earn your stripes, give us at least another season, we'll develop you. And if you want to go still next season, then, then fine. Um, but this idea that him going to Chelsea it's all of a sudden going to get him an automatic World Cup place. I, I think the kid will be sat on the bench most weeks. So I hope, how for his sake and for ours, actually, that Anthony Gordon does stay because this close to the end of the transfer window, I'm not convinced that we're going to be able to invest that money in the way that we want to. The only way I'd, I'd sort of be happy with Gordon going now would be if we could get Brozier and maybe Gallagher in. Um, as as part of that deal, there is there is talk. And now this has come from Footy Insider this morning, so listen, take that with a, a massive pinch of salt. Um, but there was there was a rumor flying around that apparently the latest bid from Chelsea is twenty five million pound cash plus Brozier and Gallagher on permanent deals, which makes oh, about wow. now again. I don't believe that for a I don't believe it for one minute. I think it's absolute nonsense. You know, if that if that was an offer, then everyone <laughs> seriously that. consider, of course. Yeah. But I don't think it is. Um, but I think I'm in total agreement. I think for me, Anthony Gordon's best option would be to stay at the club. Um, I think his development will will be hit quite quite significantly if he went to Chelsea. From a point of view, he will not be playing much football. He'll be very much on the bench and getting, you know, maybe starting in the league cup and. And things like that. You know, this is not, not me saying he's not good enough, but that's how it will go with Chelsea in the early months. Um, so I think he, you know, he's better off staying at Everton for at least you know th this season and and seeing how, how things go and, and keep on honestly learning his trade and, and and go from there, really. But I think it would be to the, the detriment of him if he moves. And like you say, Frank, it's so late in the window. Frank Lampard mentioned on Friday this red line, and it will come to a point where no deal will be allowed to be done because, like he said, we, we then can't go and reinvest the money efficiently and effectively. But before, we're just going to wrap up this section, but before we do, one word answer, 
Does Anthony Gordon, does he stay? Does he go? Lee, stay or go? Uh, go. Pete? Go. Frank? I'm in the minority here. I think he'll stay. I think he'll stay. So it's a 50-50 split. Let's see how it goes. It's going to be an interesting end to the window for Everton, both incomers and outgoings. But also, in the, in the midst, midst of all that, we've got a, another Premier League game on Tuesday away at Leeds United. And we're going to round off this week's show with a chat about that after our final break. Welcome back to the final part of this week's Unholy Trinity podcast. And it's it's all all eyes now on, on Leeds United away. Um, difficult game, Ellen Road last season, 2 all. Should have really won that game. Everton, one of our, our better performances of the season, to be honest. Um, certainly under, under Rafael Benitez. But it's it's a, an intriguing game, really. Le- Leeds lost away after Brighton. No disgrace in that, uh, in the in the latest game. But they, they started the season pretty well, I feel. And, and Pete, it's always difficult going to Ellen Road, isn't it, historically for Everton? We, we've always struggled anyway, to be perfectly honest. But... With obviously Jesse March, I know they've they've uh, they've sold obviously Rafinha to Barcelona and and Bamford's injured and what have you. But they've brought in some quality additions, and it's going to be a really tough task, isn't it? Yeah, I've got to say I've been surprised with how well Leeds have started the season um, and, and the, the the style and quality of football that Marsh has been able to get them playing playing. And Bielsa was absolutely adored. By the Leeds fans, you know they, they were on about, um, you know, even though we got the, the the sack and the position they were in, they were on about get, still getting a statue of him outside of the the stadium, which just goes to show how, you know, integrally became to sort of the Leeds identity and the, the way of playing. But Marsh really seems to have won over the fans. He's he's become popular. He's he's sort of kept the the core of the Leeds identity. You know, um, you know, pressing aggression, playing very quickly. Um, as Lee said earlier, Rodrigo just—he looks like a different player. Um, you know, the trust has been placed in him. He's he's, he's playing as a, an out-and-out forward. It, it's going to be a really, really tough game. Um, it's you know, it's a horrible place to to go. Uh, the fans will be right up for it. Um, it might come a little bit too soon for for Mope in terms of his fitness. He may you know may well be on in the squad or on the bench. Um, but I think it'd be a really, really tough game. I think it'd be quite similar to the Brentford game. And I, I just hope that we can maybe reset um, or do a little bit of work on, on, in the week on some of the things we struggled with um, in, in the Brentford game, you know, particularly set pieces, um, you, you know, getting out when we're under lots of pressure, you know, breaking through a press. I know all, the, all of these things are very easy to say, aren't they? And, big theme of the podcast today has been look it's a work in progress and we need to get the you know recruitment right and players back fit uh, but if we come away from um from Ellen Road with, with anything I'll, I'll be absolutely thrilled yeah of course I think I think that will be probably the the overall uh agreements on 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 this particular game if we can get something from that game it'll be deemed a positive you know they've beaten Chelsea there comfortably uh, last week, 3-0, they've beaten Wolves. Uh, they drew against Southampton when they should have really won the game. And obviously a tight a tight game against uh, against Brighton away yesterday and saw them lose the game 1-0. But they're certainly well-equipped to have, a, I think, a decent season this season, Leeds. And they have reinvested their money well in terms of the players that they've that they brought in. But Frank, what are your thoughts going into the game? You know, would, have, have you... Are you the, the same as Pete in terms of thinking anything from Ellen no would, would be would be seen as, as a positive outcome? I'll take a point right now. I think um, yeah, they've they've had a flying start to the season. I do like Jesse Marsh uh, as well. I liked him last season when he was getting a little bit of stick actually from from some people. But I thought uh, even then you could see a bit like what we're saying about Lampard. You know, he's got a particular way of playing. He knows the sort of characters that he wants into his team. Uh, and he's a bit of a personality himself, isn't he? Um, you know, his, his professors are always quite interesting uh, before and after matches. So I like the coach. The crowd, horrible, horrible crowd, I'll be the Leeds, the Ellen Road crowd. So that's going to be a challenge. Um, so right now, I'd absolutely take a point. Something that you said earlier, Mike, as well, which does concern me about the the game on Tuesday night, and that's the lack of pace 
in that back three. Um, with, with Michael Keane, we we would assume uh, slotting in there, unless, um, as you were saying earlier, he thinks of, of of maybe putting Michalenko in there instead. But yeah, it's going to be a really tough fixture, um, and I think um, you know I, a score draw is what I'm going to predict. But I'm saying that more in hope than expectation. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Michalenko might be might be given a nod at, at centre half. Maybe Seamus Coleman comes in. I think I think that then leaves you with the two same wing backs. But if, we've had this discussion before. What we think Vanagre is probably more suited to the wing back role. You know, Michalenko is more defensive. Um, but I expect Seamus Coleman to get the nod. To be honest, but over Keane, I think yeah, I think so. I think Michael Keane's really fallen down the pecking order. To be honest, mm. and. It's a it's a shame really for him, you know. We we've discussed him numerous times over the last few years on the show. He's such a confidence player, yeah. and you know he he's been through a few sorts of trials and tribulations since he signed for the club. You know we had a you know in that first season he struggled with injury, um, and he came back the second season and had a really really good season. But he performs much better when we've got when we've got a deep. A deep sitting, uh, mm. sitting line, and in this in this sort of low low block, as people like to call it nowadays. But I don't think he he's really uh, at the at the top of that list for Frank Lampard going forward. And if if Mina and Godfrey were fit, I think we would have definitely seen yeah Keane, Michael Keane go. Unfortunately, whether it's payments or or on loan, but yeah. but Lee, and let's, let's give let's give Keane a little bit of credit as well because people seem to forget in that infamous Palace game. It was him that scored in his in his world an absolute worldie to get us back oh, in the game. What a goal that was! Yeah, so. no, it's not about it's not about Slate and Michael Keane as a, as a player. It's just more more sort of acknowledging the fact that I think from the manager's perspective he's not anywhere near sort of starting. When when you've got three centre halves and, yeah. and you're not you're not starting, you're going to be questioned. And I think he knows that. I think he knows that if he wants to play permanence, you know, or regular football, should I say? Then he will have to move, but now it's whether we sanction a move for him that, that remains to be seen. But, but Lee, what are your thoughts going into the game? Have you got got any confidence we can we can nick at least a point? Well, I I, I agree with Frank. Um, I've I've been to Ellen Road, uh, Ellen Road, sorry, several times as a kid. Cause one of my dad's best mates was a big Leeds fan, so I used to go to Ellen Road all the time. And uh, yeah, I've been to quite a few night games there, which will be on Tuesday. And let's just say, yeah, it's it's a bloody hostile place when the crowd gets going. Um, it'll be it'll be you know, like I said before, sometimes you know when fixtures come around, it's playing teams at the right times. And and you know, like I said, we'd have given anything to have, and I'm sure Liverpool would have given anything to have Bournemouth at home after losing to United, which is basically a gimme. That's the type of game that we need right now, isn't it? Almost a guaranteed three points. Now, you'd probably say we'd, we'd probably drop two, or we definitely dropped two against Forest. So that was our opportunity there to get it. Uh, and Frank will have known that himself. So Leeds away, Brentford away in a row before you play Liverpool at home is, is not an easy fixture, fixture list. Then they've got Arsenal, who are probably the most formed team in the league at the minute as well. So it is tough, but it's not beyond us. Yeah, it's not beyond us to go to Leeds and get something. But one thing I'm, I'm, I feel more confident about, and we've we've touched on it a little bit in this podcast, is that in these games now, with with some of the leaders we have in the team, I feel we can go to these places, and and be more solid, which you have to be in the first fifteen twenty minutes and ease your way into the game. Uh, and I, I just feel a little bit more confident with regards to that now. We'll go into some of these tough away fixtures that we have got leaders who, who can talk throughout the pitch. Frank said it himself, didn't he? You know, you can't have enough leaders in the team. Uh, and that goes for any walk of life, you know, whether it's in business or, or sport or anything like that. You know, the more leaders you've got, really, the better. And um, I do think I do think it'll be a really tough game. We know that, you know, particularly at home, they, they, they've really started the season well. They hammered Chelsea um, and they, they won that game pretty comfortably, albeit they got gifted that first goal. And used to say if we'd have had a gift like that when we played Chelsea, we might have gone on to win that game ourselves. So sometimes football is small margin. So let, let's see how let's see how it plays out. Um, you know, that Aronson they've brought in looks a real threat. Obviously, you know, Rafinha was a big loss to them, but this lad looks got bags of pace, enthusiasm. And then he's brought in another American in, in Tyler Adams from Leipzig and 
you know, we've been linked with him in the past and he he, he, he looks a really mature player. He's only 23, but he, he looks a real player they've brought into central midfield. The ideal sort of number six that we really need right now, to be honest. Uh, but they've reinvested well. You know, they've got good money for some of their players and they've reinvested pretty well. Uh, I think Harrison's been brilliant for him. And as I said before, Rodrigo looks a real threat, sort of an all-round striker as well going forward. So it won't be easy, but I do think... If we can stay in the game like we did against Brentford initially and ease our way in, I think I think we can we can take a point and you know that's a point right now. Okay, we we'd love three, of course we would, but you take a point all day right now. Hundred percent, and and you know any any sort of um, any points at this time of the season is good, especially whilst we are we are going through quite a big a big transition. Um, yes, difficult games on the horizon, even post leads. Um, but like I said earlier, on as fans, we shouldn't be sitting here writing off every single game because it's against the side who are, who are half decent. You know, we've we've for me, you know, we're we're better equipped now for for certain games. We we do look like that bit more solid at the back. I know we obviously yesterday there was a little bit of a, a mistake made from a from a set piece, but I do think we are looking a bit more solid and a bit more of a, of a tougher nut to crack. But tough game Tuesday. But let let's hope we've got a you know, maybe one or two signings in by then. Who knows? Mope debut. Um, hasn't played. I don't, much I don't think Mope will start. By the way, no, I don't know. I probably yeah. agree. Probably he hasn't agree. played this season yet, has he? No, no. So not much football under his belt at all. So you know, maybe off the bench, last sort of twenty twenty five, if we can. Depends, obviously, what what the score is. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, we've got to win with confidence and and hopefully players have recovered well because it's it's a quick turnaround. Um, into into the next the next game again. Obviously, Merseyside derby on on Saturday. But let's finish with our round of addictions. Frank, you said score draw. What score exactly? Yeah, I'll go for two two. Same as last season. Two two. Lee, what are you saying? Yeah, I'm saying score draw as well. I'm going to say one one. Pete Hatchick. <laughs> I'm going to go for an optimistic nil nil. <laughs> <laughs> I'll complete, I'll complete it. Uh, quadruple, I'm going to go one all myself, I think. I was spot on with the Brentford game, said one all, and I'll, I'll take one all again. Thank you very much. Uh, but that's us for this week. Frank, really appreciate you taking time out on a, on a Sunday to have a chat with us. Now, good to speak to you again, lads, as always. And we will uh, be back. We're going to do a, a bit of a derby preview uh, after the Leeds game. So by the Wednesday or Thursday, we're going to be back with a little, little mini podcast for yourselves to get you in the mood for the first Merseyside derby of the season so we'll catch you then The Unholy Trinity Podcast Three Blues Three Opinions One Everton Podcast Sports Social Podcast Network